and uh, we're taking it from the book which I'm going to be publishing very soon called Living the Hasidic Legacy. Lessons based on the Shem Shmuel. Okay, so I'm going to do Pasha Duracious, but we did that last week, and this is the first week of the year. So we'll do Duracious. And of course, it's the beginning, so we have to have some very fundamental discussion here. Um, some very, very important basic ideas. First of all, um, the, that's the, I would say that there are two main messages that you get in Pasha's Beratius, two very, very important messages, which I guess are the basis of everything, all the other messages that you get from the Torah, from Hasidus. Um, okay, what's, what's your name? Drew Rabinowitz. So there are, uh, we're saying that in Pasha's Beratius, there are two extremely important basic messages. Beratius the beginning, so it has to, we expect to get basic fundamental lessons. Uh, probably uh, the two lessons I'm going to talk about are the two most important lessons. That Torah teaches us. The first, first, the first lesson is that the Torah says God created the world, but the the lesson the the lesson we have to get from that is that Hashem is involved in the world. Not only that He created the world, but that He's Hashem is involved in the world. So that's called in. In, uh, in it's called halachic language or hashgaf uh, language, the concept of hashgach apotus. Hashem is not just the creator of the Torah, but also always involved. And that's really the the story itself of Adam and Chavim, as Hashem is the main character of the story. He's the one who makes the eight sadas tovarah. He's the one who made the rule not to eat from it. Other meats. He's the one who gives other mechava the consequences of what's happening. So, really, it, it, it's a, I call it like an extremely important lesson because it's one thing that Hashem creates the world one level of a connection, but that's sort of like a, if Hashem would, would be the, just the creator, but then he doesn't get involved in the world, which they say is what Aristotle, I'm not an expert in Aristotle, but they say that was Aristotle's belief, that there's a creator, but he doesn't get involved. After that, uh, th- that, w- that would be a very like, weak connection. I, mean, that I know that God created the world, so if I feel thanks to him, but he's not involved with me, it's not going to mean that much. But if we say that God, if we believe and we know that God's continuously involved in, in life, in human life, and with me in particular, 
That's a very, very important lesson. It's a very, very important concept to have this concept in, in, in everything that we, we experience. We experience how Shem is, is there, is with me, is, he's guiding me, he's, he's showing me the way, and then there are consequences if I don't follow his lead, I could lose. If I do follow his lead, I can gain. It's a, it completely changes the person's life if he, if he if he gets this lesson and if he lives with this lesson, which is I consider the most important lesson, the first lesson of, of the Pasha's Beratius is Hashem's involvement with people. The whole Pasha is Hashem dealing with people. And, and it's supposed to be a model that every person is, he's dealing with every single person. So actually it's the first Rashi. So everybody's commenting about this first Rashi because it is a strange Rashi. Rashi asked the question, why did the Torah begin with the story of Horatius? The Torah should have began with the story of, uh, not the story, but the mitzvot. When you leave Mitzrayim, Hashem starts giving the Jewish people mitzvot. Sachodesh Ezelachem, Rosh Chodesh, eating matzah, and so on and so forth. And of course comes so why did Hashem write the Torah in a way to begin with the story of Bereshit? That's Rashi's question. So it's a very strange question because you do want to know where you come from. You do want to know that Hashem created the world. I mean, how can you just skip all of that and start with the, with mitzvahs? It would be strange to have the Torah written that. This way is much more natural. Uh, so the question is funny. The answer is even more strange because he says the answer, why did Hashem uh, write the Torah in this way? What's your name? Why, why did Hashem begin the Torah with Horatius? In order that we should have a defense in the United Nations, literally is what he writes, when the nations of the world will say, you stole the land of Palestine, We'll say Hashem created the world. Look at the safe gracious Hashem created the world. And he decides which people get which land. He decided the Chinese should get China, uh, the Italians, Italy, and he gave Israel to the Jews. That's why we have the story of creation. Strange shot. In order that we should have U.S. Israeli ambassador have an answer to the nations of the world. So it, it needs explanation, this Rashi. So basically, what it means is like this Rashi saying, uh, it's not just a question of, you know, how to defend the Jewish settlement of the land of Israel. What Rashi is saying is that the message of Beratius Hashem, God is involved in human affairs. Not that he just created the world and walked away and then let the world go on its own and people are in charge of everything. It's absolutely not true. Hashem is in charge of everything as things happen. So every single event, especially national things, events of nations, is completely under Hashem's control. So he put the Chinese in China, put the Americans in the United States, and put the Jews in Israel. Everything is under his control. And, that, and that's the first rash the first puzzle. So we read the word gracious, 
we have to get this message. The message is that Hashem is involved in everything which goes on in human activity. Didn't just create something and walk away and leave people on their own. He is completely involved. Whether it's the nation, whether it's the individual, everything which happens, Hashem is right there. So actually, when um, uh, actually Shem Shmuel says this, but when he when I read it there, I said to myself, well, now I understand. When I was a little boy in Shtibel, so uh, everybody's the word Hashem is probably the most common word I heard in that Shtibel. Hashem, this Hashem, that Hashem. Was like he was. I said, who is Hashem? Oh, he's. He's everywhere. I said, really? Maybe someone could show him to me. I was maybe seven years old. I like to see him because he seems to be in everybody's conversation all the time. Hashem is helping me in business. Hashem is helping me with that. Hashem, I wish he would help me with something else. It's all the time. It's all they're talking about. Because, you know, the Jewish people have really, the traditional Jewish people, especially the Hasidic world, that has this uh, idea very much at the forefront of, of our experience is that everything that happens, we know, we, we know it's more than just believing it, we know it, we know that Hashem is right there, helping and guiding and uh, sometimes taking things away, sometimes giving us. He is a, a very, very important, probably the most important, not just maybe, actually the most important character in the Jewish person's life so-called God-consciousness, consciousness of God's involvement and presence and being there. That is the most important part of being Jewish. That's the first, that's the first and most basic lesson of, of the Pasha of the Ratios. Not just that God created the world, God's intimately involved in the world. And every second of existence. Uh, I think that the greatest uh, um, problem that the modern world has, especially today, it's gotten much, much worse over the last 20 years, is this uh, false, absolutely false notion that God is not involved in the world. That the world is completely either nature, which is some mechanical forces, or people, but they have no concept of God at all involvement. Now, a person might say, well, I do believe there's a God who created the world, but I don't feel or see or believe that he's involved in my life or in national life. So that, with the collapse of Christianity in the West, about started about 100 years ago, but over the last 20 years, it's almost gone completely Christianity. With that collapse of Christianity, so then what replaced it was paganism. So modern-day paganism is godlessness. There is no God in the mindset of people today. And that's why the world uh, is really in bad shape. It's very bad shape because without God involvement, if you don't recognize it, you're really uh, not just stupid, but you're playing with a very bad, very, very bad, because lots of things then just collapse because of that. You go back to the pre, um, pre-Mabel, pre-whatever, ancient, pre-Torah 
world, it's, it's, it's really very dangerous for the whole world. Uh, and we're beginning to see a lot, a lot of terrible things going on. So, um, definitely, because we, we absolutely insist God is real and he's involved in every moment of every person's existence and every na nation's existence. And you, you can deny it as much as you want, but it's just like denying that the sun is shining or the moon is shining. It's a fact of life. So that's the first important lesson of Horatius. That's Shaman. I say over here, he's a coach, he's a judge, he's a rewarder, he's a punisher. He's completely involved in every aspect of our lives. He's involved in whatever we do. And for us, the, 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 the place where we really see it a lot is anything which has to do with the land of Israel. The land of Israel is a really good thermometer uh, for us to, uh, to, to to see this. That's why the first Rashi in Chumash right away puts a spotlight on the land of Israel. The land of Israel is where we can truly gauge this uh, phenomenon of God's involvement with us because obviously you have exile, you have redemption. Right now, because of the redemption of pieces which are happening in Israel with Jews coming back and, and the land really developing. You get to see much, much more of Hashem's involvement in a positive way with us, which is very good. It's very good because with the Holocaust is also a, a very great indication of Hashem's involvement, but there it was in a negative, very bad way. Now we have Hashem a very good way in the land of Israel. Okay. So that's lesson number one. Lesson number two, which is the most important lesson, because it really determines everything else which you learn in the Torah. Lesson number two is that uh, people have a very important role in creation. That, uh, in other words, you could have said the world exists, and people have nothing to do really with the world's creation or people are living human lives. Um, the second lesson is that people partner with Hashem. We are partners. Now, I saw this in Rabbi Simon's book and I recommend it very much. It's a great book, uh, a series called uh, In Rei Baruch. He quotes uh, a Hasidish sefer called uh, Yismach Moshe. Yismach Moshe says, the Pasuk writes, Kim God said, Nasa Adam, let's make man in our picture and in our, uh, in our image and in our form, let's say. So the first problem there is the Lashon Rabim, Na'aseh Adam. God should have said, Eeseh Adam, I will make man. Why does he say, Na'aseh, we will make man? So a lot of Mephoshim deal with this. Rashi says it means God's talking to the ground. The ground, you will help me, so to speak, give Adam his body, and I'll put in the soul, so it's a combination. The ground and I are working together to create man who's physical. 
and spiritual. That's what Rashi says. Um, or he says God might be talking to the back. I think that's the Ramban says that. I think the Rashi says, well, he's talking to the angels. Do you angels agree that I should make me? And so let's agree to make me. Okay. However, this pshat, Yismach Moshe's pshat, which uh, I like very much, is as follows. Nasa Adam. It's on Anakin Hussein, who God is talking to man. We will make man. Whether it's man or woman, or both. A part of the creation of man. So what he says is like this. He says, everything God creates by himself, because when that thing is created, it's a finished product. God made the earth, the stars, the sun. It's a finished product. It doesn't change, really. Over it. It's just there, and it functions. A human being is different. A human being is born. He's not a finished product. He's a baby. His finished product is when he dies, I don't know, 80 years ago. And every law, as long as he's going through life, he's continuously changing. He's becoming a different person as he goes through life. So you can't compare a, a, a baby to a 10-year-old. You can't compare the same 10-year-old to when he's 20 or when he's 30 or 50, 70. He's continuously developing. So, Nasa Adam, I and man make man. Because the product is only at the end. The final product of who is a person is only at the end of his life or her life. It's not when God creates you. It's an, an animal is finished. The animal, when it comes, when it's there, it's there. And it doesn't really change over time. It just it gets bigger, but it doesn't change personality. It doesn't develop new ideas. A human being is continuously developing. And a lot of his development or her development is self-made. We develop ourselves as we go through life. So God says, I and you are partners in the, in the creation and development of man. That's the Nasa Adam. Right. Okay. And then, okay, fine. Maybe later I'll explain what the Salmanu Kid was saying. But, uh, but that's his idea, which is a very, very important idea. So that says that, that people, as, as far as themselves for sure, are partners with Hashem in creation. Because when man is created, it's not a finished product. That's why it says in the Pasuk, another Pasuk which supports this, says, uh, God created the world, to do more. What's the last sot? The world was finished at the end of the six days. We say this every week in Kiddush. How come God created the world to do more? Who does more? People. People are the last of They're the ones who continue God's creation, mainly through themselves, what they do. And they also continue God's creation with the world, because people are always changing the world. Okay, we change the world. God made the world a certain way, and people change it. The Abdel Shamra, animals don't change the world. We do. So we make cars, we make airplanes, we make pipes to build water places. We, we, we're changing the world. So people are partners with Hashem. First of all, within themselves, how they develop. And second of all, in the world outside, they're always changing it and developing it. 
So Hashem made people partners with him. That's an amazing thing. It's really amazing. Because the infinite God, all powerful, decided to take this little tiny creature called human beings and a little tiny planet called the Earth, someplace in the solar system, which is a tiny little galaxy compared to the universe. So you know what? In this tiny galaxy, in this tiny planet, this tiny creature is going to be my partner. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. That Shem took, took us to be his partner. In the, but the main thing is that we're his partner in our own self-creation that we're continuously developing in a sense we're really creating ourselves as we go through life we are creating ourselves because we're not the same person we were 10 years ago and we're not going to be the same person 10 years from now so we are continuously we are that's why it says that God put into Adam Tselem Elohim what's it Tselem Elohim? the power to be a bore, the power to create, to create himself and to create the world around him and make it a different world. That's the Tzalamelech, the ability to be a creator. Nothing else can do that. Trees can't do that. Birds can't do that. The only ones who do this are people. That's um, the Yismach Moshe's idea. I think it's a very important idea. So... Uh, that so so so, the, so so we're getting to the second most important idea of the Pasha. The second most important idea of the Pasha is that people have become partners with God in creation. Okay, so now the Shem Mishmul himself, he has a very interesting discussion about the purpose of life, which is part of idea number two. Okay. We're, we're partners with God. We have to sell him a Kim. Okay, so what are we supposed to do with that? Okay. You build the car, you make an airplane, whatever, but is that the goal of, that's the goal of life, to just be physical, make physical changes, physical creations, is that the goal of life? Goal of life is just to get older and, I don't know, learn things as I go through life. What is the goal of life? So, and, and the goal of life has to be to be a partner. So what does it mean? What does it mean? So when he says like this, he, there's a capitalistic theory which he uses. Uh, you know, okay, I mean, you don't have to necessarily uh, buy into this, but okay. But it, it's, it's, I guess it's helpful for him at least to present the idea. The idea is independent of this. The Kabbalistic theory is like there is a medrash that says that this world that we have today is not the only world God created. God created many worlds, but destroyed every single one along the way, and finally made this one and said, "This is the final world which I'm making." This is the final world of many, many other worlds. Now, uh, the the question is. What was the point in, crea- in creating worlds and destroying them? God can do whatever he wants. So he creates, I don't know, a thousand worlds, and every time he creates a world, he destroys it. And then finally he comes to this world and says, this is the real world. This will be forever. Why do he make worlds and destroy them? Okay, so there are all kinds of answers to this question. Um, 
very nice answer, not shame, Shmuel, a very nice answer is that it's a lesson for us. Obviously, God never fails. He can do whatever He wants, but He's doing things to teach us. He wants to teach us, you have to destroy things which are no good and replace it with good things. Don't expect the first time you do something to be arousing success. Most likely, the first time you do something, you're going to be a failure. Okay, the first time you get behind the wheel of a car, you're not going to drive it properly. The first time you get on a basketball court, you're not going to throw the ball into the basket. So, failure is necessity for success. It is wrong to expect success on the first try. One has to learn things, and that means fail. You have to fail, and then you succeed. So God is modeling for us. We're supposed to use his model. So he says, I create the world. I could create the world successfully in a second. I created worlds which failed until I finally got it the right way. I want to teach you, fail a thousand times so you get it the right way. Don't be upset. That's the way God himself does that. He himself fails, so to speak, and then finally succeeds. So you too get that lesson. Failure is part of existence. Human existence is failure, 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 failure until there's a success. Okay, that's a very nice answer, which I like. Uh, but that's not what the Shem Shmuel says. Shem Shmuel says what the Aviyah Kadosh says, and this still leads with a puzzle. But the Aviyah Kadosh, he says like this he says, everything God creates has to be good. So, he makes the world, let's say the early worlds, and then says they're not good enough, I have to destroy it. Okay. So, but there had to be good things there in order for them to be in, get into existence in the first place. Maybe they weren't perfect, not good enough, so it gets destroyed. But what about the good things which are in those early worlds? What happened to them? So he says, Rabiah Kadosh says, those good things which were in the early world that weren't good enough to make those worlds last forever, because the things which are no good will over, 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 uh, outweigh them so they were destroyed but those good things are not lost when God destroyed those worlds he took the good things out of them and kept them going from world to world to world until he finally came to our world in our world we have what he calls sparks of holiness Nitzotzot Kedusha which come from the early worlds the difference is like this. So this is where the, the Aviyah Kadosh theory is. He's like this. Kedusha, Kedusha, sometimes it's clear. It's very clear what the Kedusha is. And it's easy, let's say, to access it. Shabbos is a holy day. Beis is a holy place. So I go there, I live it, I can experience Kedusha pretty easily. That's the Kedusha which God, let's say, put into this world originally. The original Kedusha of this world is relatively easy to find. However, there's a lot of Kedusha in this world which are Nitzotzot, which are sparks which came from early worlds. Those early world remnants are hard to find. They're in this world, but they're hard to find. So he says, the Arya Kadosh says, 
we have to explain this. He says that the goal of life, of human life, is to discover Kedusha in general, but especially to discover Nitzotzota Kedusha, these hidden sparks of Kedusha. Okay. So, um, but what the Shem Shmuel, what he tried to develop from this area Kadosh, the following idea like this. The, the main the main thing that people are doing in this world is they're changing it. Okay? Like we said before, Hashem gave us Salam Alakim, gave us the ability to create and to change the world. So the most important thing people are doing is they are changing the world. Okay? So if you read a history book, at least nowadays, it's going to be focused, how did the world develop how did society improve? How did economics improve? What, and I was, what have people done over the centuries to make the world a better place? Progress. Progress is very important. That's considered, as I say, the most important thing a person can do, do something constructive. Okay? The Avdar Vishamma. The says to develop the world. But the Shemishmul says, Really, it's not the physical development which is the key. The key is the Kedusha development. Because this world has potential to be completely holy. Between the Kedusha, which is accessible, very relatively easy, and all the hidden Kedusha. All the hidden Kedusha is there, for people to bring out and discover and make everything Kadosh. So basically, the goal of, let's say, the Abdel Shamra to develop the world, yes, there's a physical part of it, but the spiritual part of it is even more important. Because people are physical and spiritual. So physically, our, our job is to, for progress. So spiritually, the goal is progress. I have to create, we have to discover the Kedusha in the world. That's the goal of life. The goal of life is progress, the Avodah Hashem, develop the world. More important is this, the Kedusha development. More than, the, yes, there's a physical part of it. You have to develop the world physically. That's maybe the most important mission of people. Progress. But the most important part of the mission is on the spiritual side to, to get more Kedusha out there in the world. So that's the Chidush, that people have the ability to create Kedusha. Kedusha is not just what Hashem gave us. Kedusha is also what we create because as Nasa Adam, we're partners with Hashem. So we're partners in creation. So we have to develop all the Kedusha. Okay, so therefore... Um, and th- this is really so according to Shem Shmuel uh, the main mission of people the main purpose of life is creating discovering finding Kedusha okay so this by the way Botai is an extremely important lesson for why you for us 
because many yeshivas, most yeshivas, just focus on one thing, Talmud Torah and Tefillah, you know, in-house, when the yeshiva, I'm davening, I'm learning, but they're not dealing with what, what happens when you go out into the big world. It's not their focus. So, yes, there's, there's, there's a lot, a lot of Kedusha in Torah and Tefillah inside the yeshiva in the base of Medrash. There's a lot of Kedusha. That I would call apparent Kedusha, easily accessible Kedusha, but according to the Shem Shmuel and the Rekadosh, the, maybe the biggest reservoir of Kedusha is hidden. It's in the Nitzotso. There's more Kedusha in the Nitzotso than there is in, in the Kedusha, which is Nigla, which is obviously available. Which really means when you go out of the Yeshiva and go into the big world, where is their Kedusha? And my mission is to get Kedusha there. So I once had, I had a meeting with Rabbi Berman, the president, uh, a few times about this. And he asked me, so Rabbi Rachman, what do you think should be the slogan for YU? I said, the slogan for YU, I think I need to use the ID, is Torah, that's a right, I can have, Torah v'Kedusha Hashem. Torah v'Kedusha. Not Torah Mada. Mad is just a tool. Mad is also talking about the physical side of development. I'm going to become an engineer, an accountant. I'm going to help develop the world. But that's all physical. The most important thing to develop is the Kedusha. So we should call ourselves Torah Kedush Hashem. And I have to say thank Hashem, thank Rabbi Berman, that in a recent speech that he gave to uh, the boys when he was here for Shabbos before the summer, one of the last buses before the summer, he actually said that in the lounge. He gave a speech. Uh, he said, "Our motto is Torah and Kiddush Hashem. We want to create Kiddush Hashem." So a couple of days ago, a guy came over to me in the base of Medrash and said, "Rabbi Rachman, I heard that you spoke to Rabbi Berman, and you and he came up with this idea of Torah and Kiddush Hashem, which he spoke about." And I heard him speak about it. The boy says to me, "Okay, he says tell me, Rabbi Rachman." I'm, a, I'm an accounting major. Accounting, it's all about money, it's all about numbers. Tell me, Kiddush Hashem, what kind of Kiddush? If you're, I, I said, he said, I understand the doctor saving lives, it's Kiddush Hashem. Torah teacher, what about an accountant? So I had to think on the spot, I said, listen, accounting is a tremendous Kiddush Hashem, tremendous amount of Kiddush, why? First of all, an accountant is doing chesed. He is saving Jews. Let's see, talk about Jewish clients. He is saving them money. Money that they would give away to the government unnecessarily. He's showing them, I just finished my uh, accounting for the last year, and I got it back. And I literally, it would be impossible for me to understand anything about what all these rules and regulations are. In the end, the accountant came back, and you're getting a $5,000 refund. I said, great, my $5,000 refund. I can now use it to tzedakah and other mitzvahs. So, but the accountant is doing tremendous chesed. He's helping Jewish people do more mitzvahs with the money which really belongs to them instead of giving it away unnecessarily. So he's doing tremendous mitzvah of chesed. Second of all, he's doing MS because we're talking about accountants who are going to be absolutely honest not cheat, not steal, not you know, fool the government. 
absolutely honest in a profession which is full of temptations to cheat and to steal. And he says, no, I'm following the Torah. I'm going to be an honest accountant. Everything here is true. So he's doing MS. What more Kiddush Hashem can you have than the combination of Chesed with MS? Pasuk says, I think in Tehillim, Chesed ve-MS, yekadmu fonecha. You do Chesed and MS, you're right in the presence of Hashem, Panim of Hashem, Panim of Panim, Chesed ve-MS, yekadmu fonecha. What can be better than that? So therefore, therefore, it is Kiddush Hashem. And you know what? It's outside the base of Medrash. It's in the streets. It's in the, in the business halls. And that's how this accountant is discovering and creating Kedusha. He is developing the Nitzot's Kedusha of accounting, which Darya Kadosh says is the main goal of the life of a Jew to discover and create Kedusha wherever, whatever he's doing or she's doing. So being an accountant is a tremendous Kedusha Hashem, tremendous way of, of, of developing the world, making the world full of Kedusha, getting out the hidden Kedusha, because a person wouldn't think that there is Kedusha in being an accountant. It's hidden. It's a nitzotz of Kedusha. It's a spark which Hashem hid away. But if you bring it out, it's tremendous. And so on in every single thing, every, every career, everything that we do, we can find Kedusha and make it a holy mission. The goal of life, Shem Shmuel says, is to pursue a holy mission. And this is the holy mission of, of Nitzotos HaKedusha. And therefore he says, a final thing, which is very important, which we spoke about, that failures, as you go through life, there are failures. Failures are necessary in order to get to success. That's the main lesson of the story of the Eight Sadas. The story of the Eight Sadas is that Adam was in Gan Eden, and he, his mission was whatever, to work the garden and do good things there, and not eat from the tree. And they ate from the tree, so it was a failure. And they're driven out of the eights, Gan Eden. So what's the point of being driven out of the Gan Eden? The goal is to come back. Now, that failure will lead to success, because that's what the Hasidah says, that we go through life being masakain, the chet of of the eight sadas. We're fixing that sin. But what we're doing is from the failure we're going to get greater success. The Shemesh Muslim is like this. When he was in Gan Eden with Chava, they were very close to Hashem. So in other words, they felt God's presence. Literally felt it. They spoke to Hashem, saw things all the time. Then they ate the eight sadas, they're driven out. And you're driven out so we live life it's hard to see Hashem. It's hard. He's hidden. We're not in Gan Eden. We're in the real world, which God's presence is there, but it's hidden. So, it's, it's a problem. Now, the fact that a person 
sinned drives him far away from Hashem. But then, what's the reaction? I have to find Hashem. says, A person without God is, is living a life of chaos. He or she is suffering tremendously from terrible decisions, the victims of all kinds of things going on which are bad. It's a very bad situation not to have a Shem in your life. It's a very, very bad situation. And so, so what do people say? I need, I need a Shem. I need to get back because that's going to fix my life. So it turns out that the Golos being driven out of Ghana then creates Ubikashtem, a tremendous desire to come back. So when he's in Ghana, then he and she, they hardly, they don't appreciate it properly. They think this is normal. If they can play around and make a mistake and meet dates and dance because they think nothing's going to happen. They take it for granted. But when you're driven out of Ghana, then boy, do you want to go back to Ghana, then. Boy, do you want to go back. So, so your desire gives you more motivation to do the right things. Your desire makes you more motivated to find the Kedusha. So the, the search for Kedusha is a direct result of the failure of the sin and being driven out. And, it, and, and when we do come back, and when we will come back, all the predictions are that the future Ganeiden will be greater and better than the original Ganeiden. Because like when someone does tshuva, he's more than someone who never sinned in the first place. Because the tshuva motivates him to do much more than he would have done before. Before he took things for granted. Now after the sin and the tshuva, he does much more than before. I mean, we meet Bali tshuva all the time. We see how much more they do than, than if they wouldn't have gone through that process. So, uh, so these are the two major lessons of, of the parasha. That Hashem is with us in every area. We just have to search and find Him. And that we are His partner. We're the partner in the physical development of the world, changing it, creating some, a new kind of a world, basically. And, but more important, in the spiritual development of the world, which means to bring out the holiness which is there to find the easily found Kedusha like Shabbos and Torah, but even more important, to find Kedusha in the hidden places. The Nitzotzot Kedusha. That's the main goal. Okay, Botai. Uh, I want to do two things now. One is, I'll give you an exercise for this week. The next week, I want to have, we'll get reports on the exercise. Keep a log of, write down these two things to do for a week, okay? For one week, at one, you know, every day write down. First of all, situations in which you acted in a holy way. In other words, instead of just acting like a regular person, you try to do something in a kadosh way. That there should be kadosh in what you did. Like we said, in the accountant, we do chesed ve'emes. So in your, in, in your day, find things that, that you thought you were doing something kadosh. Could be davening, could be making a bracha, just things which were kadosh in your day. So you become, we want to become aware of the fact that we are uh, actively uh, uh, seeking kadosh in our lives. Okay? Could be learning in the base of Medrash. Could be doing a chesed. 
something which is Kadosh. And then the second thing is, and, and you make a log, how you made the world a better place. Since we're in this world to develop it, write down things you did to make the world outside of you a better place. Okay, for one week, keep a log, and let's see what you come up with. Okay. Okay, but then now we're ready for the Kumsitz. We have our friend. Tell us your name. Jonathan. Jonathan's going to lead the Kumsitz. And, uh...